Revolution, how are we? Excellent. So good to see you. Gosh, just standing backstage, listening to you sing was absolutely amazing. Jasper, I know you're already ready to go, so I don't have to worry about that today. Um, I, I am super excited about this message. We are, I know we're go, about to go into our fast. Today is a big deal. It's a big deal in the life of our church. And um, to stand in this place today is super humbling. Um, I know you're getting second string today, maybe really third string if I'm honest, but I'm praying that the Lord speaks to us, all of us, prepares us, gets us ready. So before we jump in uh, to the message today, let's pray. We love you. We're here because of you. Even down to the breath in our lungs that we breathe comes from you. Speak to us today. Prepare us today. You tell us that if we just abide in you, you'll produce in us fruit that we can't produce ourselves. God, I'm asking that that's what you would do today. Settle us here in this moment to hear from your word that when we leave this place that we're, we're changed, we're prepared for something. We love you. And it's in your son, Jesus' name, that we ask these things. Amen. All right. So I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I am super prepared for this fast. I have, I have done my part to get ready for this fast. Wednesday, Christy and I went to the Mexican restaurant. I said, yep, I'll take another one of those baskets of chips. <laughs> right there. Yep, we had dinner last night. My mom, it was my mom's birthday. We had dinner. Normally, I'm like, you know, just a little bit of cake. Just, you know, I was like, come on, bring it on. I'll take another one of those. So I'm super prepared for this fast. You know, got a couple extra LBs on. I don't know about you, but today what we're gonna do is, is we are preparing for this fast. And all of us, and I want you to understand, like this is, as we step into these next 21 days, it is important, and I hope, I hope that maybe you have gotten into a rhythm since we've do, been doing this over the last few years, you've gotten into a rhythm of, of preparing for these 21 days. But maybe you're new with us and you, you, haven't, you haven't experienced this yet. And just so you know, we are, as a church, we do this every year, we step in to this abide season where we take the, the first few weeks of the year and we just prepare ourselves for what God wants to do for the rest of the year. And we fast and we pray, and we ask the Lord to take away things that may be distracting us from, from him and his purpose for us in the next year. It is the idea of, of a Sabbath rhythm that we, we work from rest, not for rest, because that, that delineates that God has to do in something in us first before we can do anything else. And that's today what we're going to talk about. And we've got a couple things that I want you to understand and know that as a church, we've prepared for you, given you some tools to help you walk through this abide season. First is we've got an abide guide on our website, revolution.church. You can hit the, hit the banner at the top. You're going to see an abide guide that's going to walk you through what it means to, to fast from food and how that works. We're going to give you scripture to help you spend time with the Lord every day, because that's important. It's not that we're just going hungry. That's not it. We wanna make sure that we remove something in our life so that we can, we can gain something or put something in our life, redirect some things that may have gotten in the way of our conversation, our focus on Jesus. So, revolution.church, get the abide guide, make sure you're following along with that. Second thing, on your way out, we've got notebooks that we wanna give you, a journal. 
And, and we've never done this before, but we wanna, we wanna insert this tool as far, part of our, our fast this year. And we wanna take, we want you to take this, this notebook and we want you to, to write down the things that are going on during your fast. Not only to give you a, a place and a way to express what's happening to your, during your fast, but to be able, in, maybe in a year from now, go back at, at our next fast, look at what God did during this one. And during this time, I, I mean, write down whatever. God, I'm hungry, okay. God, I need you to do something in my marriage. God, I need you to do something in, in my, my work. I'm struggling. Or I'm even to the point, God, I'm so grateful for, for giving me this time. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for, and you fill in the blanks. But give you a tool so that you can express what God is, is doing in you and through you. Now listen. I know some of you are like, Chad, I don't journal. <laughs> well, I don't care. Because <laughs> it will benefit you. I'm not a big journaler either, I get it. But I, I want to develop that skill in my life. And the, my, the times in my life that I've been really consistent about writing things down, man, my thoughts get real clear. And I get to go back and examine those things and, and rethink about them. And it produces a, a, a posture of gratitude because I get to go back and be like, oh, I, God, I asked you to do that and you did it. Thank you. Produces this posture of, of gratitude and begins to change you. So, man, I'm really talking to you. Let's just be honest. Try it. Step into it. Get, get one, of the, one of the journals and, and do it. Step into that. You're not gonna be good at it. I'll go ahead and tell you that when you first start off. But you'll get better. And I promise you, it'll produce something in you that, that will be highly beneficial. Okay. Even with all this, even with all the tools that we can give you, everything that you know, we could set you up, prepare you to step into this fast, it, it really will mean nothing if our heart's not prepared. And today, I hope we do the hard work of preparing our heart to step into this fast. Because we can, we can set you up, we can go through all the motions we want to. But if we haven't resolved in our heart that I need to fast, I need to step into a moment like this where I, I put away so I can gain. I shift my rhythm so I can create new rhythms. If we haven't resolved that in our heart and to, to the place where we understand while we're doing it, all the tools, it doesn't matter. So, we about to go Old Testament on this mug. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter four is what we're gonna, what we're gonna be in uh, today. And you know, we've been, uh, we've been walking through uh, John 15, obviously that, and we're gonna go back to that today. We're not, we're not stepping out of it. I'm, we're gonna come back to that at the end, but we're gonna be in Deuteronomy chapter four. And I, I, wanna, I wanna help set you up for what's happening. So, Deuteronomy chapter four, Moses is, is doing something specific, and ever since the, the nation of Israel's come out of Egypt, they've been wandering around in the desert all this craziness has gone on. We got the Ten Commandments, and they started already betraying God multiple times by now. You know, and, and, but Moses is fighting for for this nation, and they're not even a nation yet. They're like this feral cat. I don't know how many. I mean, I don't know how many of you have ever been around feral cats. Like nobody really. Nobody's really been around feral cats, but. Like this, like that's what the nation of Israel is. Like they don't know how to live inside yet. Like if you let them in the house, you know, they're gonna poop everywhere and tear everything up. That's where Israel is. 
That's what they, I mean, that, that's the position they're in. And Moses, he is fighting as hard as he can to, to, to bring them together, to, to give them an identity, to make them a family, and ultimately a nation. That salvation for you and I will come out of. Yeah. I told you we were going Old Testament on this mode. And this is what happens. Moses comes in and he starts setting up these family rules, standards of how the nation of Israel should, should operate when they, when they step into the promised land that God is going to give them. He's shaping them and molding them by, by the words that God is giving them to impart on the nation of Israel. He's giving them rules, family rules. Now for a lot of us, when we hear that, oh, I'm, I've gotta operate by these rules, somebody else is gonna tell me what to do, a lot of times our, our human nature will start there, but then on top of that, our American nature, our American nature, and then on top of that, for those who are in the room that follow Jesus, our New Testament nature is like, nah, I'm good. I don't need your rules. I wanna be, I wanna, I wanna be free, I can do whatever I want to. I make up my own destiny, my own future. Nobody can tell me what to do. And I want you to understand, even before we read this, that is an absolute lie from the pits of hell. Because there is, there is a freedom that is being sold to us that is a lie. It's being shoved down our throat every single day. In any kind of media you look at, anything you read, this, this false freedom is being shoved down our throats and it leads to death. And this false freedom, you'll recognize it. I, no boundaries. I can do whatever I want to. I don't, I don't need any boundaries. No restrictions. You can't restrict me in what I can do. You can't tell me what I can do. No standards. You can't judge me. Don't judge me. I've got no standards. I don't live by your standards. I make up my own in whatever mood I'm in, in whatever moment I'm in. I'm just gonna make up whatever I want to at that time. You can't tell me what to do. No walls can keep me in. No accountability to hold me back. That's freedom. It's chaos. If you want to really name it, it's chaos. And Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter four, is about to show us and, and lay this out for us because real freedom says boundaries, <laughs> they keep me safe and alive. They allow me a tactical position against the world. When I have boundaries, I have an advantage. Direction gives me purpose, where I know where I'm going. Restrictions keep me from overindulging, which is the definition of a prodigal, by the way. Overindulging. Remember that extra bag of chips? Restrictions keep me from overindulging. Standards that make me productive, that push me to, to get somewhere, not just I'm good wherever, but standards get me to another level, another place, they allow me to grow. Shelter, where I feel loved, accepted. 
accountability, when I need help, when I'm stuck, when I don't know what to do moving forward, I bring in accountability and I ask people to come along and say, hey, what am I not seeing? What am I not doing? I feel stuck, can you help me get out of this? And sometimes that becomes some harsh truth in our life. Blind spots that, man, are so powerful when they're pointed out to us and we get to change those things. I wanna frame this. My first point that I want you to write down if you're writing, taking notes today is this. If you have never experienced family freedom, you will fall for false freedom. If you've never experienced family freedom, what it's like to live in a family construct, to understand that there are are rules of the house, to, to be in a family so that it runs efficiently and it benefits all that dwell there, there has to be rules, statutes that are put in place. Okay, here we go. Deuteronomy chapter four. And now, O Israel, and listen to Moses, I want you to hear, he's pleading with them. This is a plead to Israel. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may what? That you may what? And go in and take what? Of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers is giving you. Rules and statutes. He's setting up the freedom that they will live in. The home, the house, the family that they will live in. So that two things happen. They'll live, they will have life, and they will take possession of what God is telling them he's about to give them. That they'll be able to operate with it. Because God's about to give them something incredibly incredibly valuable on the other end of this journey that they're on but he ain't gonna give it to them until they're ready. It's no different with us. God's not gonna give us things, he's not gonna hand us things, promised things, he's not going to give us those things and just let them crush us because we're not ready. Because we haven't come to a place where what he has done in us will sustain the weight of what he's about to give us, no matter how good. God loves us enough that he's not going to just lay those things on us without preparing us to uphold them. Any, any home has family rules, any one of them. Like if, you, if you're in a family and it runs efficiently and you've got people in it that, are, you know, that benefit from living in that home, you have like rules. Like some of the rules in our house is that, listen, this is a thing. When you have dishes, and I have teenagers, mm, when you have dishes, you bring them back to the kitchen and you put them in the dishwasher. Can I get an Amen. Thank you. You don't, you, don't, you don't leave them underneath your bed. They just don't go there. Right? You don't bring them and put them in the sink. No, thank you. You don't. And, and here's the deal. Like, even if you come and, and you come in the kitchen, you got a dirty plate, and you open up the dishwasher and it's clean dishes, what do you do? You empty it. You empty that thing. And then you put your dishes in there. What? That's crazy talk. But this is what happens. 
Let's say there's a dad and his name is Chad. And he walks in the kitchen at say nine o'clock at night, maybe like right before bed, right? Walks in the kitchen. What does this mythological dad named Chad find? He finds a mound of dishes in the sink. And what does mythological Chad do? He gets angry, right? Because the house rules have been broken. House rules have been broken. And then I can't leave it like that, so I gotta take all the dishes, and you know, normally the dishwasher's full of clean dishes, I have to empty it and put all those back in there from everybody else, right? House rules are important. Makes the house run efficiently. Makes it beneficial for all that live there. It gives people purpose inside the house. They have jobs and things that they know that have to get done that will benefit the house. That will, that will give the house a, a, a sense of peace. A sense of cleanliness. We don't have bugs because we left dishes under the bed. Stuff like that. The thing is, is that if we know that a house and a family runs like this, in our, in our spiritual life, in, in our, 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 our whole idea of how we operate with God, why would we think that would be different? Any home worth living in has rules. Moses says in, in verse two, you shall not add to the word that I commanded you. What does that mean? You don't get to make up your own stuff. Nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. Moses is reminding Israel at this point during this, this whole talk that, that he's giving them, listen, remember what happened with those that, that went against the house rules. They got distracted. They started making up their own stuff to do. They didn't wanna come and be a part of what was going on in the rest of the nation, they decided, well, we've been wandering around the desert for 40 years. We're hungry, we're tired. I don't wanna do this anymore. I know God's promised us this thing, but I don't, you know, I'm done. I wanna live by my own rules. And what happens is that there is a portion of the nation of Israel that began to engage in practices, what Moses says is the Baal of Peor. Now, what, what is this? Peor is a place. Baal literally means Lord or commander. They began to worship a false god. And they began to engage in the practices of this false god. It says they began to eat the sacrifices off of the sacrifices that were made to this false god and then engage in the practices and rituals, and I'm gonna be PG, of fornication of this false god. And if you read and you start digging in, it's gross. It's rough, y'all, it is rough. And Moses reminds them what happens. 24,000. 24,000 people died because a plague came on them. And Moses, Moses is like, listen, Israel, just listen to me. Do you remember what happened 
24,000 people perished because they decided they didn't wanna live in the house anymore. They wanted to come outside the family. They didn't, wanna, they didn't wanna engage in the family rules. They didn't wanna keep the statutes that God had given us. And they perished. And this is, like, I wanna bring it to where we are because this gets real dangerous for us because I have people come to me all the time Believers, follow, they, following Jesus. And they say, Chad, well, I just, you know, I just live by the Spirit. I just live by the Spirit. But oftentimes can't tell me what the Word says. And I want, I want you to understand how dangerous that is. And hear me. God wants you to live by the Spirit. He wants you to follow his spirit. But you can't follow his spirit without knowing his word. Those things don't happen. It's not far from this. Because a lot of times we want to use that phrase as, I live by the spirit or I'm a New Testament believer I don't need to come in the statutes. I don't need to live by the family rules. God just tells me those things. But oftentimes, I have no idea what the word says. That's dangerous. Moses is telling the nation of Israel, if you'll just follow the statutes, the promised land is just on the other side. If you'll step into what God's asking you to do, if you'll keep focused on him, the promised land is on the other side of that. And this is what he says. Verse four. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. You who held fast to the Lord your God are all, all alive today. And this is the, this is the classic parachute scenario, okay? You go up in a plane. This is gonna be so much fun. Man, this is gonna be amazing. Go up in a plane, you jump out of the plane without a parachute, and it's a blast. I mean, absolute blast, woo, this is amazing! Until you find the ground. It was amazing once, right? And you would say, that's crazy, who's gonna jump out of a plane without a parachute? I'm just saying, there are other scenarios where that kind of happens. But with a parachute, like I get to jump out, woo, this is amazing. And then you know what happens? I get on the ground and I can do it again. It's amazing. If I just have the restraint of a parachute. If I have something that I know is gonna get me safely to the ground. They were all alive that kept the Lord's statutes. This may be my favorite part. Verse five. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land. This is what you're supposed to do in the land. That you are entering in to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who then they hear, who when they hear all the statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise an understanding people, 
For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Whenever. He's near. He's not far. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I have set before you today? I want you to understand We sit in the midst of this passage coming true. The book of Deuteronomy is one of the most cited books that influenced the creation of the nation that we enjoy, the freedom, the governance that we enjoy in America. Our country looked at Israel just like Moses said they would, Our country looked at Israel and said, we're gonna make our nation like that one. We're gonna set up our stuff like they did. Look how wise they were. Look how righteous they were. Look how well that worked. We're gonna do the same thing. You sit in the fulfillment of what Moses said in Deuteronomy 4. Second one I want you to write down. Rules of the house are for those in the house. Rules of the house are for those in the house. Going back to our own country, if you're a citizen of the United States, you have the privileges that come along with that. The things that, the statutes that have been set up for citizens or those inside that house. And if we decide to come outside the house, you're right, you don't have to live under the rules of the house anymore, you're good. But you also don't get the privilege of the house either. And as we, as we step into this fast, as we step into exercising spiritual disciplines that God has asked us to engage in, and, I, and, and fasting is just one of them. I just want you to understand, because Jesus said, when you fast, When you step into these practices and spiritual disciplines, when you come under the statutes and rules of the house, you begin to experience the privilege that comes along with living in the house. And I don't want you to forfeit that. And I, and I don't want you to think In this moment, as as we step into this fast and we begin to put away things that might be distracting us from God's best, I don't want you to think that, oh, my church is doing it. I don't really need to engage in this very much. Twenty-one days is this is a long time. Because there are two things as a church we are asking you to do. One is the definition of biblical fasting, which is food. We want you to, and I know there's all kinds of medical things, so obviously we want you to be careful with that from a food standpoint, but some kind of food element that we take away some food during the day, we not fall on our stomach during the day and we replace that with a time specifically spent with God. To demonstrate to our our heart, mind, and soul that my God is not food. Because if you're married, you understand that most of the conversations you have throughout the day are about food. What are we eating for breakfast? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. You wanna go to McDonald's? No, I had that yesterday. Well, how about let's go Waffle House? No, I had that two days ago. That's what you. That's what happens. Do you eliminate that? And you say, I'm gonna put that aside. I'm gonna spend some time 
with the Lord, right? That is the point. So we want you to fast from food to some degree. The second thing we want you to fast for is social media. Why? Because it steals our time. It steals our time. I, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm, I'm getting rid of Facebook Marketplace. That's my thing. Like, I just, I love Facebook Marketplace. It's ridiculous. But I know it steals my time. And I would rather have on the other end of these 21 days the promised land. More of a connection with God than I have now even. That he may grow me and give me direction, set some standards for me for this year, strengthen me. Welcome me back in to a, a deeper understanding of what it means to live in his family, under his rules and statutes, to be a contributing part of his family. Rules of the house are for those in the house. Hosea 9, 10, and this is, God talking to Israel, and I want you to hear that, and he's talking to you. If you follow Jesus, you are part of spiritual Israel. If you haven't gone and watched or listened to that podcast, go and listen to it. It's really good. Hosea chapter nine, verse 10, like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. Insert your name there. Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Chad. Like the fruit of the fig tree in its first season, I saw your fathers. But they came to Baal Peor and they consecrated, connected themselves to the thing of shame. God found them. But then they came to this place where they got distracted and they, they got pulled away from God's love, from God's grace, from God's statutes, from living in God's house, in God's family. And they consecrated themselves to the thing of shame and became detestable like the thing they loved. And I wanna tell you today, if there's something that you love more than your relationship with God, there's something in your life that takes precedence over your connection with God, it has to be destroyed or it will destroy you eventually. May not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but I promise you the thing that you put in place of God, in front of him in your life, it will lull you in to the same death that Israel experienced at Peor. That's the bad news. The good news is your heavenly father has made a way for you. He's invited you into his family. He's given you all, if you follow Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to him, because Jesus is the way. He is your invitation to the family that when you follow him, all of those things, on a continual basis, God is working in you to remove those things out of you that will eventually destroy you. And he puts in, him, he puts in you his life connected to his family you're adopted in. And I want you to understand that like the, when we live in a family, we live under those rules. We're connected to the family. We, we get to experience what it's like to be loved and encouraged by a family. 
if there's something lulling you away from your family. If there's something that's pulling you away, when we step into this fast, when we begin to reposition and re-rhythm our life, those things become so clear. They become so clear. But if we forfeit the engagement of, of these spiritual disciplines like fasting, reading God's word and praying, we stay in this position that I can figure all this out on my own. I can handle whatever is lulling me away from God. Just like Moses says, it will eventually pull you away to the point that you're outside the house. I'm gonna read you John and I'm almost done. And this is Jesus telling you the very same thing that Moses said. He's reiterating this. It's almost like it's the same God in the Old Testament. John chapter 15, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit, sorry, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, whoever's in my family, I'm in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. My prayer today as you prepare to start this fast is that you're reminded that you're a part of a family. and that you have a home. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have a home. You have a family freedom. And the point of this next 21 days is to consecrate ourselves to him. To no, and to nothing else. Nothing else gets our attention. Nothing else gets our affection. But we consecrate ourselves to him. We allow him to walk us through this process of sanctification where he destroys anything else that might distract us and take away from the life that he wants us to have the promised land that he wants us to have on the other side. You are a son and a daughter that has a seat at the table. Just come in and sit down and let him fill you up. Pray with me. God, we love you and Today, I pray for anybody in this room that is just struggling with this idea of, of fasting, of changing rhythms in our life, shifting things that we may have been in practice of for years and years and years that have become comfortable to us. Pray that you would give us strength as a church, as a people, as a house, to step into these 21 days with boldness, 
asking you for the impossible sometimes. Because I know in a room this size, there are marriages that are struggling in this room. Struggling. Don't know where to go, maybe on the brink of divorce. And God, there's a promised land on the other end that we can find in you. There's a way that if we just follow you, that <laughs> you'll heal. Even what we think is so broken or even dead. Sometimes things need to die so that you can resurrect them. Old habits need to die so that you can replace them with new ones. Old relationships may need to die so that you can replace them with new ones, God, and I pray that you would. Some of us in this room, we're dealing with health issues, financial issues, sin issues, addiction. God, I pray whatever it is that your children are suffering through that is that is distracting them from you, God, I pray that you would give them the boldness over the next 21 days to seek you with all that they have and watch you do what only you can do. How do I know you can do that, God? Is because I've seen you do it in my own life. I've seen you do it hundreds of times in other people's lives. <laughs> you were the same back then you're the same today, you'll be the same in the future. If we're outside the house, God, I pray that you would give us the boldness to, to step back in because the door's open. And maybe there are some in the room today that have, <laughs> have never accepted the invitation that you have given them to be a part of a family. They don't know what it means to be a part of a family. to live under the privilege and protection of the family rules, the family statutes that lead to life. And you tell us, God, there's only one way and that is through your son, Jesus, and the sacrifice he made for us to have an invitation to the house. every head bowed and every eye closed, if today you, you just have never been a part of a family, you don't know what it means to be a part of a, a, a people, a house, I want you to know that God loves you, first off. And he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to bring you back home. And just like any invitation that is given to, to any party, the response is simply yes. I can't do this, you can. I, I can't give myself access, it comes from you. And today, <laughs> you're ready to be a part of a family. You're tired of living this false freedom. It's as simple as this, and I just want you to pray with me. There's nothing magical about this prayer. I'm just helping you kind of articulate. And it goes like this. God, I love you. Thank you for providing a way for me, for inviting me into your family. Thank you for, the, for Jesus and the sacrifice he made for me on the cross. Would you save me today? Would you let me be a part of your family? If you prayed that in, in this room today, I want you to do something real quick. There's nothing, you know, nothing crazy I'm gonna ask you to do. We just wanna, get, we wanna give you a gift to help you start this journey and help you start this walk and help you understand what the family rules are. 
we're gonna give you a Bible. If that's you today and you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to do something pretty bold. I want you to raise your hand. High as you can raise it. High as you can get it up. We got people walking around that are gonna give you a Bible, place that in your hand. For the rest of us in this room. As we step into this 21 days, step into it with boldness. And if you haven't, taking the opportunity to ask God what he wants you to fast from, what is distracting you from him. It's not too late. On your way home in the car, pray by yourself or with people in your car. Lead them in that too. God, what would you have me remove? What's distracting me? because I want more of you. I wanna understand more of how to live under your rules and statutes that I may have life and have it to the fullest. And when he tells you, just do it. Just do it. God, thank you for today your word to us. We know that it does not come back void. I pray that this season starts a revival in our church, in our community (laughs) that spreads all the way to the ends of the earth. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.